Grab your favorite caffeinated beverage and get cozy because you are listening to Mindful as a Mother with Paige Bruce and Lindsay Adams. Hey, hey, I just wanted to pop on here real quick before the episode starts and give a quick disclaimer. This podcast is not intended to be a substitute for therapy or the therapeutic relationship, and the information given in this podcast is purely for educational purposes and is not intended to replace the advice of a professional. Now that that's out of the way, I really hope you enjoy this episode. Remember to subscribe, rate, and review if you enjoy it because it helps the podcast grow. And don't forget to be peace, be love, be mindful as a mother. Hello and welcome back to Mindful as a Mother. Lindsay here, and this week we will be talking about the worst kind of meltdown, the public meltdown. And I categorize anything as a public meltdown that happens outside of your home or in front of other people. So they could happen at a family member's house, at a party, at a Target, anywhere where there are other people watching your parenting and your child's reaction. These are the worst of all of the meltdowns because typically there are other people who have eyes on our response and we are feeling a lot of feelings about our child's behavior and usually what other people think about our child's behavior and reactions. And this can create extra pressure to stop the meltdown, which then usually makes it last longer. So Say you're in the checkout line, you tell your kid they cannot have that candy bar, and they start throwing a huge tantrum, you start sweating, you are worried what everyone around you is thinking, and you likely get overstimulated, overwhelmed, and then you maybe don't respond or show up as the human and mother and person that you want to be in that moment. We have all been there. In this episode, I'm going to share with you my tips and tricks to handle the public meltdown because they will happen. They will happen to everyone and they're uncomfortable for everyone. Handling a meltdown in public really boils down to your ability to control your own emotions and your own stuff that is coming up in the moment so that you can show up for your child. The way you show up for your child doesn't really change from how you would show up for them When you are at your home or somewhere private, it's more about being able to contain your own feelings in the moment and take action in a way that is helpful for the situation. What I recommend to most parents when their child is having a public meltdown is to step aside with the child. So if you're in line at Target, actually getting out of line and getting on their level and having a conversation with the child. The reason that this is helpful is because it allows us to create some space between the pressure of everybody like looking at us so that we can parent our child in a way that um, feels true to us and we aren't as focused on getting them to stop the meltdown or stop crying. This also helps our child because then when we are parenting them, they aren't feeling embarrassed or shameful about their behavior and actions because we are parenting them in front of other people. If you're at a family party or somewhere, I usually recommend like going into a private room, going outside, going to the car to talk, just anywhere to calm down and then you can return to the situation if you need to. Now with some public meltdowns, you may just have to 
to leave because they're you've hit the point of no return. There's no recovering and it's just done. And that's okay too. I think recognizing that our children are going to be at developmental levels where they get overstimulated or they get frustrated and can't manage their emotions and we have to take them out of the situation and that is totally okay and normal. Most parents have to do that at some point in their parenting journey. I have carried many kids out of a swimming pool, out of a birthday party because they didn't want to leave or they were throwing a tantrum to either calm down or we had just decided, hey, it's time to go home. When we're talking about calming our own emotions, usually that looks like taking a really long, slow, deep breath or having some kind of mantra that you can say to yourself when you feel yourself getting anxious, worried, or overstimulated about your child's behavior. Even just taking a quick count to two breaths in and exhale for four can help you ground yourself in the moment and move forward in a calmer way than if you had just chosen to move forward without taking that extra second to take a breath. Something else that's really helpful to keep in mind is when you're in these public places where you know your child may have a meltdown or tantrum, being aware of their signals that show that they are escalating. So if you can recognize when your child is starting to escalate, you can pull them aside and help them calm down before it gets to a full-blown meltdown situation. And, you know, sometimes it will or you won't see it coming, but being aware of those things can be really helpful so that you're intervening at a time where you're still calm and you're not feeling the eyes of everyone around you. My number one tip for in the moment in a meltdown in public is to not get involved in the power struggle and arguing with your child about their behavior. If we just go straight to validating their feelings, that doesn't mean the boundary has to change, but validating how they feel and what they're experiencing, it can help them move through that more quickly. And you can have uh, conversations about consequences, expectations for behavior in public, and all of those things once you're in the car or at a different place. In the moment is not the time to do that because typically we think that's going to scare our kids into behaving and all it really does is escalate their expression of their emotions. So really helping them express their emotions, helping them move forward with it, and recognizing that there will be a time and a place for that conversation but in the middle of a public meltdown is not the best time to do it because you are likely just going to escalate the situation. Exploring why your child is triggered in these situations will be really important. And there's different things are going to set different kids off. Some common things that trigger a public meltdown are difficulty getting along with peers or other people. So say you're at a family party and they can't, they're having a hard time getting along with their cousins or they are struggling with navigating the social relationships, being tired, overstimulated, or hungry. So, and sometimes we have all three going on. Your kids are tired. They've been playing all day. They're overstimulated. There's lots of noise and sound, and they maybe need to eat. What we can do is we can preemptively address those needs by making sure that our kids are well-rested and well-fed going into these public situations so that they are less likely to have a meltdown. The other thing you can do is start to recognize when your child is getting overstimulated. Sometimes kids will get overstimulated and they won't be 
in a place developmentally where they can verbalize what's going on for them and what they're experiencing. So we just see the outside, which is them acting out. We don't know what's going on on the inside. This is something that happens commonly and you can tell that your child is overstimulated. Create sensory breaks or times where they can go in a quiet room and calm down before returning to the the party or the event so that they're less likely to have a meltdown or tantrum. If your child's easily overstimulated, don't plan multiple stimulating activities back to back to back because it will be a nightmare for you. I have learned this lesson the hard way multiple times with my kids. Sam is very easily overstimulated and my girls are get tired very easy. They're human design. They are projectors if you know about human design. So they need lots of rest. And so we cannot do two fun and exciting activities in one day or go from like birthday party to birthday party or it will be a disaster. So we can do one thing a day. And I really try and be intentional about planning my time and my weekends around that so that when they are able to do those fun things, they can actually show up and enjoy them and they are not tired and acting out because they need more rest or they are too overstimulated. I used to be the type of person who would just push through because I can push through. But as I'm growing and learning as a parent, I'm seeing that that is not actually helpful and it makes things so much worse. So don't try and push through. And if you know your child is a child that gets easily tired or easily overstimulated, don't over plan or over schedule them with things you know will be overstimulating because you are just asking for a meltdown. If you accidentally do this and you end up in a situation, approach your child with loving kindness and that like they are really doing the best they can and you know remove them from the situation help them get what they need whether it's a snack a rest a sensory break all of those things other common causes of public meltdowns are being told no sometimes a child will escalate when they are told no in public because they think (laughs) that this will get them their way And sometimes they will just escalate because they cannot tolerate a no answer. So you can work on both of these things regularly at home and in public so that when they are told no, they don't have as strong of a reaction. Now, there isn't a a miracle cure for this. There's not one tip that you're going to be able to implement and it's going to change everything on this. But slowly working on these things at home and when they have meltdowns, it will get a little bit better and a little bit more manageable. And then eventually you will forget that they even had meltdowns when you told them no in the store. Something that helps with this personally is setting the expectation before you go into the store. So you know you're going to go into a store, you know your child's going to ask for something while you are in the car. Say we are going into the store for this item and we will not be getting anything extra. If you ask, the answer will be no so that they know going into it that the answer is going to be no. There's not a maybe, there's no need to try and argue, and hopefully then they will not throw a tantrum when they do ask and you say no. You can even incentivize them to say, if we can go through without you having a tantrum in the store, then we will do this after, or we will do this when we get home. And it can be something small. It can be one-on-one time that, or just something that, that they really will enjoy or that you're willing to give to them for a re- reward. This can be a short-term Um, band-aid for while they are learning the skills to accept a no answer without having a public outburst. The 
those reinforcers or motivators are good reminders in the moment that of what they are working for. So it can be good to say they're starting to have a meltdown and you're saying, okay, remember that if you were good, we were going to go get a drink after this, or we were going to go, go get an ice cream after this, or we were going to go play Barbies after this. And then they can remember, oh yeah, okay. And then bring it back together. Their little brains get distracted easily. They forget easily. Developmentally, they are not in the place to be able to self-regulate. So we kind of have to help guide them through this experience. Now it's not going to look perfect, but we can do things that help them. Whether they have a meltdown or not, we want to be able to walk away from the situation feeling confident and like we did our best to show up for them in the best way we could and in a way that helps them build the foundation for emotional regulation in the future. So if that's your goal, rather than stopping the public meltdown, you're going to feel way more confident and more successful even if there is a meltdown. Now, there's a special kind of meltdown that I like to call the anxiety or fear meltdown. So when we're going to the dentist, I've told this story before, um, my son had a traumatic dental experience and there were tons of meltdowns anytime we would go near a dentist or a doctor. And we really had to create a plan for those situations. And I create a plan for myself and a plan for my son. So in my head, I know what it looks like when he's starting to escalate and what skills or distractions I can give him in the moment to help him. Maybe it's deep breaths, maybe it's holding his hand. And then as it escalates, what things are more effective or will work better. I also have created a plan for how I'm going to manage each level of escalation for myself. Am I going to take a deep breath? Am I going to do some grounding? Am I going, what can I do to help myself be present? And then I establish a reward for the visit and I remind him of the reward as we're going through the visit. So maybe as I can tell he's starting to escalate, I prompt him to take deep breaths. I'm holding his hand. He, maybe he continues to escalate and get more scared. I let him sit on my lap while the dentist then looks in his mouth and he can feel my slow breathing. And then I distract him with things around. So um, look at that fish over there. Oh, look, what's that dog doing in that picture? Ways to keep him distracted while the dentist is doing their thing. And then I remind him of the positive reinforcer and I give him the reward whether he has a meltdown or not at the dentist because we survived the dentist and we are going to be rewarded for it. So remember that after this, we're going to do this fun thing or we're going to um, play this game or whatever just to help keep him on track. Now I will say, as I've done this with him over the course of years now, it's been, he has gotten less, he has less tantrums at the dentist and he ha is starting to feel more comfortable. A lot of that is how the dental staff has worked with him, but also how I have allowed him to be scared and I don't get frustrated with him. I haven't pushed him through this fear. I have just done what I can to like hold his hand and walk alongside this fear. And so he feels confident in now going into the dentist. So if you're struggling with something similar to this, keep in mind that it might be a longer road, but that it does pay off. It does pay off to show up and hold space for them rather than trying to force them to not have a meltdown and getting into a power struggle with them. I definitely have tried that before. I've tried just like, okay, we're just going to muscle through this. Like, come on, just open your mouth. Let's do this. And it doesn't help. And it just makes things worse. And at the end of the day, that just leaves him feeling unsupported. And that's the last thing I want. Sometimes I have to remind myself of the bigger picture when I am in the moment and parenting my child in these 
tense moments. Is the big picture whether his behavior at the dentist or that I'm embarrassed because the the 20 year old dental hygienist is looking at me like what the hell is going on here or is it more important that I show up and hold space for my son's emotions so that he can have a positive dental experience into the future and when I reshift that it's easier to not care what the 20 year old dental hygienist thinks I'm sure she didn't think anything she sees it all day but that those are the fears that we have when we are um, in those moments with our child Also, if your child has a situation like this, do your best to talk to the professionals beforehand so they know what to expect. My dentist, my my pediatric dentist, my kid's dentist knows um, why Sam is afraid of the dentist, what, what happened, and that it's going to be touchy, and that my goal is to do everything I can to make it a positive experience for him. So we went in to the very beginning and those situations knowing that. And so he was more responsive and understanding of where I was at. And I didn't feel as much pressure to push Sam through things. So even just communicating to people in your life, like what what's going on with your child, what your child's going through, so that they can be more understanding. Now, this doesn't really work in like the line at Target. Like you're not going to turn around and tell the lady behind you what's going on with your child and that they're just tired and they need a nap. But for those bigger like fear-based tantrums, this can be something that's really helpful. Digging deep into the, the cause of the tantrum might take a little bit. Is it anxiety? Is it fear? Is it that they're tired? And a little bit of playing around with like the skills that you use and how well they work. But once you know what the need is, it's easier to just meet the need of your child in that moment. So if I know my child's need is fear, I can comfort them and help them feel safe and that will help move them through the meltdown more quickly. If their need is sleep or food, that's pretty simple. I can remove them and do those things. It's not fun in the moment, but at least I know what their need is and what they're causing it. Overstimulation and those other feelings inside that they have a hard time communicating are a little bit more difficult and those are the ones that you have to play around with and find what works in those situations. Is it that you need to intervene before arguments with peers escalate? Is it that you, is it that they struggle with large environments and not feeling comfortable when there's a lot of people and a lot of noise around? How can you meet that need? How can you help them feel more comfortable and more safe in the moment? Bottom line, anytime your child is having a public meltdown, ask yourself, what need are they trying to meet? Or what can I do to help them in this moment? Rather than what can I do to stop the tantrum? I know it feels really counterintuitive and your fight or flight will probably kick in and your brain and body will be saying, do everything to stop the tantrum, even if it means yelling. And if we can just take a second and recognize that that just makes it so much harder. And I need I need to listen to this podcast for myself. That makes it harder. And we just need to like pump the brakes for a minute and figure out what our child needs. The public meltdown guide is one of the bonuses in my meltdown mini guide. I will put a link for it in the show notes and you can check it out if you're interested in learning more about how to show up for your child in the middle of a meltdown or tantrum. Now I'm going to get to this week's mom fails. Mine this week involves a few things. One, I was carrying a child um, and I opened a door and the door hit her in the head. Not my greatest moment. If you listened to Paige's episode last week, I love how she described mom fails as the things that aren't really 
a failure as a mom. It doesn't mean you're failing as a mom, but it's like those things that happen that you really just like can't prevent, like your kid uh, getting hit by the door or, you know, it's, it's a little bit funny, a little bit of a fail. And it's, if we can't laugh and enjoy the really hard parts of being a parent, then why are we even doing this? <laughs> the other mom fail that was submitted this week is freaking hilarious. And I'll, I'm just getting ready to him. My seven-year-old's teacher texted me to tell me my daughter was giving her first grade class the bird at lunch. And I could not stop talking about this. I'm sure my kids will accidentally do the same thing. Um, My niece was telling Ella to make a silly face and she flipped off the camera. She has no idea what it means or what she was even doing. She just thought that that was silly to do. So... Um, yeah, the bird's always a fun one for kids and they, it's so hard when our kids say things or do things that are like a little inappropriate because we want to laugh, but we also want to be serious and show them that it's not okay. I have a really hard time with that one because I do think it's funny and cute. And also I understand their need to learn, you know, to be respectful and to not be giving people the bird. So Something I am working on as a parent is not laughing when they do something mildly inappropriate. I hope you enjoyed this episode. I hope it was useful to you and I will see you next week. Thanks for coming to Mindful as a Mother podcast. If you'd like more of us and Mindful as a Mother, you can find Paige at Instagram at Parenting with Paige and Lindsay at Linz underscore Adams LCSW. Find us on TikTok, Instagram, and in our Facebook group, creating community and smashing parental stigma, embracing mindful motherhood and positive parenting. Thanks so much and see you next time.